0: turn to the book of Jude, Jude chapter 1, Jude chapter 1, I was going to say Jude chapter 2, but I can't see any confused faces, so it's not that fun, and I know the spiritual crowd that we have here tonight, our ministry team that's here working tonight, they're so spiritual they would not have fallen for that joke, and so we'll just say turn to the book of Jude. (laughs) There is some trash being talked across the sanctuary. We're not going to say who's talking trash to who, but uh, it is good to see you here tonight. I'm looking forward to sharing something with you. I'm going to slow the pace down a little bit tonight and uh, do a little teaching, preaching, uh, but be sure you tune in to allow the Lord to work through your heart, in your heart, through the Word tonight. And I shared with you this morning that I hope to be able to to encourage you a little bit as we try to get our focus maintained on the fight and the real fight that we're going through right now. Uh, There's so many things being uh, put on Online, so many things on social media that can be a tremendous distraction to us during this time. If you're not careful, you're going to be fighting a bunch of fights that really don't matter. Uh, when the true fight is a spiritual fight that we're going to look at here in just a few minutes. Jude, we're going to call it chapter one because it feels weird not to give a chapter, and we're going to begin in verse number one. Follow along. The Bible says, "Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus." Christ and called. Well, there's a mouthful there, but we'll not get to that verse tonight. Verse 2, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Now, verse 3 begins our text tonight. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. We'll read more later, but let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Father God, I do thank you again for your word. And just, Lord, how much of an encouragement it is to us in times like these. And we're thankful to have a Bible. And I pray you bless your word as it goes out. Uh, Lord, to the many that are listening, I pray for our people. Lord, help us keep our focus tonight. and I pray you'd use your word uh, to help us keep it where it needs to be. And Lord, make sure we're fighting the right enemy as we go through this difficult time together. And then I pray you bless the invitation time. Uh, Lord, help us to make altars out of our couches, our kitchen tables, wherever we need to bow before you, to make sure, Father, that our focus is where it needs to be. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give you a quote right quick that came to mind early on during this time of epidemic, and as a matter of fact, I was watching the news the other night, and someone mentioned this as well. During the 2008 financial crisis, White House advisor Rahm Emanuel made this statement. He says, you never let a good crisis go to waste. What he was speaking about is during a time of turmoil and a time of crisis, it's a great opportunity to slip things in the back door and get an agenda accomplished that otherwise some folks might be too wise to see coming on a good day. Just recently, Majority Whip James Clyburn said this, this is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision, speaking of the leftist agenda in America. Uh, now before we go down that track and we start thumbs up all of the comments uh, to- tonight, let me tell you right quick, although I don't necessarily believe this is a worldwide conspiracy, I haven't seen the evidence yet that convinces me this is a worldwide conspiracy uh, that's here to take us all out. We would be foolish not to realize and to recognize that those who have ulterior motives against what's right and against truth and against what our country stands for would not seek to capitalize during this time of crisis to initiate or to enact a lot of a left agenda. Now, don't get me wrong, it fires me up just as much as the next person. From time to time, I have to get off the phone, uh, not reading Fox News, I have to turn off Drudge Report, or uh, even some of the articles that are shared by some of our people, because it boils my blood, and you get mad at all these people, and uh, you know, you say bad things about Nancy Pelosi and all of those uh, leftists that are out there, but here's what I want you to understand. Indeed, they will look to capitalize on this to enact and to initiate a lot of a leftist agenda, but what we should be worried about during this time is the spiritual threat that seeks to capitalize during this time of crisis. Now don't get me wrong, I think we should withstand those people. And there's a time and a place that we stand up for liberty, we have a line in the sand that we do not cross, and we defend this country when it becomes necessary. But if you're not careful, you'll start fighting all of these political battles and all these conspiracy battles, and it's going to take your mind off the real battle, which Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We understand that all of the leftists and all of those who seek to bring out an end to this dear country that we love and the morals and values that we stand for, you understand they are merely pawns to the powers of darkness that's the real fight that we're in right now. Now, if we're not careful, we're going to get over here. We're going to fight this little fight over here. We're going to get in this little skirmish over here and this little scuffle over here. Why the main fight, Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says we are wrestling against principalities, against powers and rulers of darkness in this world. This is who our fight should be focused on. Now don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place for all of the others. And I can come up with some one-liners just as good as you can about some of the leftist politicians that are out there. But understand, all they are is pawns. They are chess pieces to the powers of darkness, which is the real fight we should be engaged in right now if you're not careful, what's going to happen is you're going to get into this battle trying to find out all the conspiracy theories of the coronavirus and the warning everybody about the Illuminati and all that's trying to do in our world. Meanwhile, Satan slips in the back door and raises the victory over our nation spiritually. Now, re- remember, listen to me. I'm not saying there's, those are not valid fights, but those fights are just merely a symptom of the greater evil that we are fighting, which is a spiritual problem in this country. I heard a story years ago. My grandparents were missionaries from Mexico, and I know several missionaries that are still down there, and they kind of all said the same thing, that the drug trade on our southern border is tremendous. Uh, there's drugs just coming over the, uh, over the border all of the time. And uh, here's what they'll do. They'll load up a small RV full of marijuana and cocaine. And they'll send it barreling north toward the border. And before they get to the border, the drug folks themselves will call and tip off the agents that there is a RV laden with drugs coming toward the border. And the, the authorities will be waiting on them, and they will bust them, and they will bring in a huge haul of, of narcotics, and they're taking pictures, it's going to be in the newspapers, there's live cameras. Meanwhile, while they've got this RV pulled over the side of road for this record-setting bus, they're waving this traffic on to come on through, and this large 18-wheeler passes by with 10 times the dope that was in the RV. You see, they were willing to let them fight the small battle as long as it distracted them from the larger evil that was about to cross over the border. What a brilliant tactic. And these are the tactics of Satan. We've got to understand distraction and deception. That's what he does. By the way, I've told you this before, but sometimes I don't think you believe me. He's been practicing 6,000 years. You practice it anything for 6,000 years, you're probably going to be decent at it. But if you're not careful, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fight all of these small RVs. Meanwhile, the devil's rolling in 18-wheelers of immorality and deception into our country, securing the victory over what used to be one nation under God. So what we've got to make sure we're doing is focusing on the right fight and making sure that we do not drift you're not careful, you're going to get distracted of all the little fires that are burning. We've got a lot of fires burning right now. I mean, we've got a, all kinds of crisis going on all around our, our country. I believe the governor said the other day in his short tenure, he's declared seven state of emergencies. Uh, poor guy, what a baptism by fire. But if you're not careful, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get distracted by the wrong fights, and you're going to start to drift spiritually, which was the devil's tactic all along. I mentioned this to you this morning that um, uh, my wife uh, encouraged me. She really did. You can ask her this next time you see her. She encouraged me to buy a new toy the other day, and I did. I bought a drone that I could fly around. I'm going to use it for the Lord. I'm going to find a way to use it for the Lord. That way I feel better about buying it. And So we've been out here in the the football field flying it uh, the last couple of afternoons, and Miley has a drone that she flies out there as well. And um, The wind was really blowing yesterday. And Miley was trying to get the altitude right, making sure she got her drone level, flying at level. And while she was trying to keep it going straight forward and backwards, the wind was slowly blowing her left and right. And she got distracted trying to fight the forward and backward wind that she wasn't paying quite attention to the left and the right and was slowly drifting toward the trees. And that's what's going to happen to us. We are going to drift off course if we do not keep our focus on the right fight. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at a thought. I used this title years ago, and I told my wife in another message, uh, but I like the title so much, I pulled it off, put it on the new message tonight. The title of the message is simply Defending Against the Drift defending against the drift. We've got to make sure that during this time, we keep our focus and do not drift away from the real fight because if you're not careful, you'll lose your focus on who the real enemy is here. So let's look at Jude chapter uh, chapter one, verse number three. The Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. I believe Pastor Robinson preached out of this verse the last time he was here. The Bible says, which was once delivered unto the saints. So understand what's going on here. What Jude is seeking to do. He's seeking to reinforce Christians in the correct fight and to help keep their focus on the fight they should be fighting. And making sure they do not drift off. And notice how he does that. He reminds them of something in their past at the end of verse number three. The Bible says to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Here's what Jude is doing. In order to keep them from drifting, he's giving them a point of reference that they should use in order to maintain a constant position. And that point of reference is the faith that was once delivered to you. So number one tonight, the first step in defending against the drift is a diligence to our faith. A diligence to our faith. Now understand this. If you're going to hold your position and remain in the same place that you do not drift away, the first thing you're going to need is a fixed point of reference. So what Jude is doing is Jude is saying, listen, hey, I'm trying to encourage you. Remember the faith that was once delivered to you. That's your fixed point of reference. And as long as you will be diligent to that, that fixed point of reference, you're not going to drift off. It's kind of like a, a GPS. My drone has a GPS uh, locating system. And so it knows exactly where it's at. And it holds itself still by referencing to the satellites that are up there. It's quite amazing. It's kind of like the stars that the sailors used to use. Why did they use stars? Because stars are constant. Stars were in a fixed place. They knew where the stars were at certain times of the year, and they would mark their course by the stars. They were using a fixed reference. Now, this is what Jude is doing. Jude is saying, listen, remember the faith that was delivered to you. Always go back to that. That is your fixed point of reference that you keep your eyes upon, and you be diligent in your faith, and that's what's going to keep you from drifting. Now, listen, this is important. Do you know what this book is right here? This is a lot of, this is our faith that God has delivered to us. And He's preserved it for us through all of these years and all the wars and all of those who desire to do away with this book. And God has preserved this for us. And now here we have a copy of His Word. We have a copy of what God has delivered to us. And if we use this fixed point of reference throughout this time of quarantine and pandemic, we can maintain our right focus in the right fight and we will not drift. But our problem is is when we take our eyes off of the faith that was delivered to the saints. Now, folks, I want to tell you, my burden is to tell My wife and I talk about it all the time. I told my wife the other day, we're going down the road, and bless her heart, pray for my wife. She has to listen to a lot of these sermons twice. She hears them come together. Uh, As I'm working on them, I come home from the office, and I'll share with her something the Lord put on my heart. And, uh, boy, she's a a champ, and I appreciate her very much. Um, But I was telling her the other day, I said, what worries me? is the backdoor battles that I'm afraid we're missing. You know, we know the virus is out there, and we know the government overreach is out there, and we've got our swords and our staves, and we're ready to fight that battle. And meanwhile, the devil's coming in the back door in the spiritual fight, and that's where we're going to lose this thing. So what we've got to make sure is we're focused on the right fight and we're not drifting by getting distracted by these other small fights. They do matter, but they don't matter nearly as much as the spiritual fight that we're to be in. So we've got to maintain our focus and a diligence on our faith that was delivered to us. That's why God gave us that. Isn't it great to have the anchor of our faith right now? What would you do without your faith, right? Man, people who don't have faith, who don't trust in Christ, what on earth? Listen, they must be just blowing around like a tumbleweed in a tornado because they have no anchor in their life, but we've been given an anchor for the soul. Boy, God delivered to us a faith that is steadfast and sure. It'll keep us in place, but we are responsible to remain diligent to our faith, and that's what keeps us on track. Many years ago when I was a kid, I remember my pastor, before my dad was my pastor, giving us an illustration about how he used to plow uh, with a mule. Uh, And what he said was, his dad made sure they had straight rows. And if I've told this story already, I can't remember, you know, I've been here about a year, so I may have used this story already, okay? So our pastor would keep his focus on a tree and be plowing that mule and he would be going straight towards that tree. Why? Because the tree was going nowhere. The tree was a fixed point of reference that helped keep himself on track. Now, can you imagine what the rose would have looked like if his point of reference was a cloud? I mean, my soul, uh, he probably would have drawn some of those UFO crop circles out there in his field trying to keep up uh, with that cloud. Why? It's not a fixed point of reference. If you want to remain in the same place and keep a steady course, you've got to have a fixed reference. And that reference, Jude says, is the faith that was once delivered to you. Now, this is why I want to tell you something right now. When it comes to ministry, when it comes to churches, when it comes to Christianity, we're very easy to get our mind off of our faith and start focusing on what everybody else is doing. Oh, my goodness. Right now, everybody's on Facebook. Everybody's live streaming. You know what we're going to do? Temptation. Oh, instead of keeping our eyes on what God's called us to do and be faithful and diligent in our faith, we're going to do this. And we're gonna do what 2 Corinthians says in chapter 10, verse 12. We're gonna compare ourselves to ourselves, which is unwise. You're comparing yourself with a moving target that changes according to society. There's no way you're going to maintain a fixed faith and a constant faith if we do not keep our eyes fixed on what was delivered to us. It it amazes me oftentimes Christians get blown out of church into false doctrine. It just, it, it breaks my heart, number one. And I'll ask them, I say, look, you used to be in a good church, you had a great preacher, you had the right Bible. How on earth did you get off on that stuff? Well, I was watching this YouTube video. I'm thinking, what? (laughs) You were in a good church, you had your family in a good church, they were learning a lot about the Word of God, they were growing in the Lord, your marriage was being strengthened, and you watched a YouTube video, and you allowed that YouTube video to, or I read this book. Or I talked to somebody's grandmother's cousin and they told me about this and that. What happened? We took our eyes off the faith that was delivered to us. Listen, our faith is sure, it's steadfast, and it's solid. We've got to keep our eyes and our focus diligently on our faith, and that's how we defend against the drift. But as soon as we take our eyes off of our faith that was delivered to us, the next thing you know, we're off into something we never thought we could get to, in things we never thought, places we never thought that we could get to. I love the song, The Solid Rock, and it says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Now notice that. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You get in trouble when you get away from your faith. The faith that was once delivered to us. Listen, there's no point in getting out of church because of a YouTube video or a TV preacher because all you've got to do is compare that to the faith that was delivered to us. That's why it's preserved it for us. And you'll find yourself remaining put, stay put, and you're not drifting away during this time of difficulty. Back in 1999, July the 17th of 1999, I was in Canada finishing up a mission trip up there. We rented this house and had a lot of teenagers. Uh, Girls uh, stayed on the second floor, guys were on the first floor. It was a creepy house. Uh, We got it real cheap. That's why it was cheap, because it was creepy. And uh, it had a basement in it. And the basement, it was a dirt floor basement. This has nothing to do with the story, but I got to tell you this because it's a really neat story. And in the basement, there was this old wooden table. There was an axe on it and a wine bottle. I mean, that's just the makings of a good horror movie, and so we kept that door locked. But I remember clearly that night, it was in that house, we're watching the news, and we got the news that John F. Kennedy Jr. died in a plane crash. You know, obviously Camelot and all of uh, America's uh, love affair with the Kennedys and the mystique that they have, uh, it was on the news for a long time. And the cause of death was, uh, was relayed uh, a while back later when they got the black boxes out of the planes. And here's was the cause of death. The plane crash was caused caused by spe- Spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation. He was flying. I don't know that he had the right clearances to fly at night, and he, he lost track of where up was and where down was. He lost his frame of reference on the horizon and basically was just flying along and not realizing it, flew his plane right into the water and took his life and the two people that were on board with him. What happened? He was a well-experienced pilot. He knew how to fly a plane, but he lost track of what was up and what was down and where he was at, and it cost him his life. Now, if you're not careful during this time of this pandemic and uh, and being away in quarantine, you're going to get your eyes off the focus of what's up and what's down spiritually. You're going to take your eyes off the faith that was delivered to us, and you're going to drift And the catastrophes that take place when people drift are devastating see it near about every day. So number one, notice, if we're going to defend against the drifts, we have to be diligent in our faith or to our faith. But let's keep reading. The Bible goes back in verse number three. He says that the faith which was delivered unto us, what are we supposed to do with that? Well, the Bible says contend for the faith. Can I tell you something? That as soon as you fix your focus on your faith in order not to drift, the devil's going to test that for sure. It's going to test your resolve. He's not going to miss the opportunity of this crisis to take advantage of it to to enact or to pursue his agenda. So, notice the second step on defending against the drift. The second step is a duty to fight. The Bible says, Contend for the faith. We have a duty to fight many years ago before I got married <clears throat> I remember my dad and I were going down the road and we had a lot of jobs lined up we had one house that we had to level uh it was just creepy climbing underneath the house and jacking it up and leveling this house and we had siding to put on one house and uh, we had another house that was getting ready to build we had a lot of things going on I said man got a lot of work and here's what my dad said never forget what he said he says said, because we live in a cursed world and I thought well that went spiritual real quick you know how preachers do. You know, we're really good at taking a conversation about Big Macs, and we're going to be at the end of the world and the apocalypse before it's all said and done. That's just what preachers are, are not necessarily good at, but we're going to do it anyway whether we're good at it or not. And I thought to myself, I don't get it. You know, we're talking about construction and having to repair siding and having to level houses. And Dad says, because we live in a cursed world. And I said, well, please explain. My minute brain could not understand that. He says, in a cursed world, everything degrades, Nothing gets better things get worse wood rots. It does not get newer. It gets older Houses do not stay on the same level that are up on piers they slowly begin to sink into the ground as the ground moves and uh, Foundations begin to crack and he says as long as we live in a cursed world We're gonna have job security because things are always breaking and need to be fixed and how right he was But can I tell you that includes our faith as well? You're going to have to fight to maintain your faith. This is what Jude is saying. He says, look, your frame of reference, your point that you should focus on is the faith that was delivered to you that'll keep you from drifting. But understand, that's not gonna come easy. You're going to have to contend or you have a duty to fight for your faith. Be assured that a diligence in your faith will require a duty to fight. You know, right now there's a lot of things a lot, of, a lot of questions going on about the Constitution and government overreach. And I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I am with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I believe those are just merely symptomatic things that go back to the spiritual fight that we're in. I believe if we get this thing right spiritually and get America back to its point of reference and we contend for the faith, I think you'll see a lot of the constitutional things fall back into place. But if we fight all of the constitutional fights and ignore the spiritual fight, and we don't contend for the faith. Notice what that says. I believe in a fight for the Constitution. Don't get me wrong. Listen, I'll be the first to grab up a gun, and I know a lot of you guys that are watching tonight, you'll be right behind me. Uh, you're just itching for that. I understand that. But bear with me. Notice the Bible says, contend for the faith. If we don't fight this fight, the other fight will not matter. America will not matter because the spiritual fight is what's going to hold up all of the other fights. And if we don't contend for the faith and we don't maintain our duty to fight for the faith that was given to us and preserved for us, then I hate to tell you there's no amount of bullets that can solve the problem that we're facing right now. That's why Paul said this, but I keep under my body and I bring it in its subjection. You look at the reference here, he's talking about a fight, a fist fight as a boxing match. He says, Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Notice what Paul's saying. This is Paul. This is Paul. I mean, Paul surely, I mean, he was, he was the Christian of Christians. He was spiritually strong. And yet, notice what he's saying. Paul says, I have to fight in order not to become a castaway. You know, I think we've all watched Gilligan's Island, you know, castaways. Right now, it seemed like a fun idea, to be honest with you. In the midst of all of what's going on, I think I'd be, I wouldn't mind being marooned on a desert isle away from the crazies that are out there uh, right now. We've watched Gilligan's Island. We've watched movies about people who were shipwrecked and they became castaways. It's interesting with the reference we're using tonight. So often, castaways were people That drifted off course think about it people that were marooned on islands and lost at sea were people who lost their their, their frame of reference and they couldn't see the stars and they got off course and they were blown off course they drifted off course and they ended up marooned on an island and a castaway so what is Paul saying? Paul says I keep under my body and I bring it notice that Paul says it's a scrap I believe every morning Paul woke up he told his flesh you're coming with me You know, because your flesh says, you're coming with me. Paul says, no, you're coming with me. And Paul kept his body. What was he doing? He was keeping his frame of reference, that fixed point of his faith. Why? Because he feared becoming a castaway. Can I tell you something tonight? The current is strong away from the cross. The current and the draft is strong away from the cross. Meaning you let go of the cross for one moment. You think, you know what? I'm just gonna take a moment to sow my wild oats. I've been a good kid. I had the record in Sunday school. I deserve to live in the flesh and to have an indulgence once in my life. And you let go of the cross just for a second. You're gone. You're swept out to sea spiritually. Why you lost your frame of reference. The faith that was once delivered to the saints, you did not fight. And the current away from the cross is unbelievably strong. Notice the wordage that is used here. The Bible says that we should earnestly contend. Earnestly contend. You know what that means? Put up a good fight. Put up a good fight. I told you years ago, there was a kid on the bus. His name was Randy, and Randy didn't like me. I know that's hard for you to believe that somebody in this world would not like me. I just never figured it out either. And I remember on the bus, Randy whipped me good. I mean, he started with my ears. My ears were a large target, and so that was the first thing. And man, he grabbed my ears and just boom, flew them to the floor. Next thing I know, it was just on. I didn't know that people would be mean to people for no reason, you know. But evidently, he had a reason. I just don't know what it was. And I remember that kind of went on for a little while. I was a nice, soft hearted kid and got thrown into public school. And you talking about a baptism by fire. And I remember my dad, there's a the house there at the camp property. And Dad says, Look, I don't want you to go looking for a fight. If Randy keeps bothering you, you have no choice. I says, What, to go tell on him? He says, Nope. You have no choice. You just ball your fist up as tight as you can get it. And you draw back as far as you can. And you lay them knuckles right on Randy's nose. And I remember one day we were on the bus, Mr. MC's bus. Mr. MC would switch you for fighting. That was back when you could discipline children. And um, Randy just went and quit. He went and quit. And finally he pushed me. And man, all of a sudden got in the flesh, you know. Pow! And I remember my dad said, you better hit him hard enough that he doesn't get up. Because when he gets up, he's going to be mad. And sure enough, he was mad. And we tied up for a while but after that, me and Randy had an understanding. We became buddies. matter of fact, we did a Bible club at Randy's house some many years later. He's in prison now, but uh, he wasn't there. <laughs> no joke. He really is. And uh did a Bible club at his, uh, his dad's house. But here's what I want you to understand. My dad says, if you're going to fight, he says, you better make it a good one. This is what, this is what Jude is saying here. If you're going to contend for the faith, he says, put up a good fight And can I tell you something tonight, all of us who are are willing, listen, to take a stand for America, right now the stand for America is the spiritual fight. That's the front lines of this thing. The Constitution absolutely is important, and we should stand for it, and we should fight for it. But I'm going to tell you something, the Constitution is just going to be a piece of paper if we lose the battle for our faith. I promise you, that will not even matter one iota. We've seen it happen all over the world. This is why we visit the ruins of Rome Rome is a great example of what can happen to a world power that does not have God or like to retain God in our mind. Read Romans chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible says we should give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Could we just say that slipping is a lot like drifting? Notice what it says. It didn't just say, we should try real hard, brother, no, it says we should take the more earnest heed. That I means we, we got to fight, listen, to, to do the things that we've learned and we've heard. Why? Give the more earnest heed lest at any time we let them slip or we drift. That means we have a duty to fight. And if we feel like fighting, hey, why don't we fight the fight that really matters? And it's the spiritual fight to contend for the faith that was delivered to us. You know, if our founding fathers, for those that are saved, I don't know all of them that are, obviously. But I believe many of them were it to be kind of an awkward moment when we stand there in heaven and we run into Washington or Lincoln, and they say, "Well, we were willing to fight, but you were not. You were not willing to contend for what we had there, and our kids will not inherit the America that we have because we didn't have the stomach to fight the real fight. It was the spiritual fight." The Bible says in Hebrews ten that we hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Notice that without wavering, it's a fixed point. We hold fast. Our profession of our faith, without wavering, don't slip, don't slip, don't slip. Right now, this is the front lines of the battle that we're fighting. And I believe if the church loses this, there's no hope. Listen, there's no hope for America. The church is the pillar and the ground of truth. What is the ground? It's that solid place on which people can stand. It's sinking sand everywhere. But the church and the people are going to be looking for a place to go. And if we lose the solid ground we're on, I hate to tell you, there is nowhere else to run. This is why we see lighthouses. Lighthouses are usually in rough areas. They're on points uh, out, uh, kind of p- peninsulas, if you will, out in the water. And those lighthouses stand resolute and tall and strong. Why? Because they're that unmovable marker that ships use as a frame of reference to know where they're at. And you take away the lighthouse and all the ships that are out there are now at the mercy of the seas and the rocks underneath the surface. That's why our church has got to make sure we're fighting the right fight. You're not careful the devil's going to slip in the back door and claim the, claim the war while we were fighting small battles. So number two, how do we defend against the drift Well, we have a duty to fight? He says, earnestly contend for the faith. But then he begins to get specific. Look at verse four. <clears throat> he tells us exactly what we're to be wary of. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Notice that, that crept in unawares. Number three, notice the dangers we face. The dangers we face. I told someone the other day, and I think this is a good rule of thumb. If you're gonna get in any type of a fight, it's good to know your enemy. Um, you know, getting your word of God. We read a lot about our enemy. The Bible tells us, First Peter chapter five, verse eight, he says, a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. This is who our enemy is. We've got to know a little bit about our enemy. And we see the tactics of our enemy in verse number four. He's a creep. Notice what verse four says. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Jude is stating that Satan's assistance in all of this drift that we must defend against, they are creeps. Now, we're not talking about your coworker or maybe somebody in your family that's a creep. They may indeed be a creep, but we're talking about spiritual creeps. Here's the back door we're talking about. Look, don't get me wrong, was it Cartwright, a circuit-riding preacher during the Civil War? I think it was was Cartwright. I should have looked it up. That on a Sunday morning when the war was raging and things were going on with that, battles were getting close, that he closed his Bible, picked up his musket, walked off the platform and says there's a time to fight. Absolutely, Ecclesiastes tells us that. There is indeed a time to fight. But we've got to make sure we're fighting the right battle. And if you're busy fighting the conspiracy theories of the coronavirus and the Illuminati and all of that, right in the back door, here he comes creeping in. And he comes in and he snatches America right out from under us. While we were too busy fighting battles that did matter, but in the end they didn't matter because we lost the one that really mattered, which was the spiritual fight. In the book of Job, we read a little bit more about our enemy. We get a little more closer look at our enemy. And God speaking to Satan says, where have you been? He says, from going up and down and to and fro in the earth. I don't think he was looking for front doors to walk into. I believe he was looking for back doors that were unlocked. He's looking for people that get distracted by the cares of this world, the cares of this life. And they get distracted by that. He's watching for people that are drifting because they've taken their focus off the real battle. And he sneaks right in the back door. And he says, I've been going to and fro and up and down in the earth. Trying to get in. And I believe that's where America will fall from. Was it Khrushchev that said that? America will fall from within, not from without, and we see it happening systematically because we're drifting away from the faith that once was delivered to us. I read an article last night on Fox News. It was about the murder hornet. Anybody else see that? Everybody raise your hand. All right, I see your hand. No, I really don't, but... uh... I thought it'd be a great invitation, Brother Michael. You know how preachers say, I see your hand. I see, well, I can't see your hand. So we know that would be a lie. But I saw that on Fox News last night that there's a murder hornet. Go home and look at it. Do not look up during the service. Okay, I know you're watching on your phone. Do not look it up during the service. The Lord's watching you, all right? Remember, you get lyria if you cheat, okay? So the murder hornet is two inches long. It's two inches long, and it's just a devastating hornet. It's just been discovered in America. It comes over from Asia, and uh, they're warning how this could become an epidemic around the country as far as how dangerous they can be, and it reminded me of fire ants. Uh, One time was it Miley who did a study on fire ants or maybe I just decided to because I was bored one day and I watched PBS and it was all it was on and fire ants came in Mobile Bay that's where they originated in the United States we can thank the people in Mobile for that they introduced fire ants to us and they showed a map how they came over on ships. These little bitty fire ants that you would never see as they pull into the harbor and they're unloading their cargo and they're unloading all of the wares they're trying to sell. And meanwhile, there's a little gangplank somewhere and the little ants are marching one by one, hurrah, across and they're coming to America. And they showed the map and how the ants have spread all over the United States unawares that on board that ship there were teeny tiny fire ants and boy, they can be grievous, can't they? That one bite me the other day, and I didn't realize how much of a wimp I was. That thing hurt for two days. How did it get here? It crept in. It crept in. While we were unloading the large cargo, we didn't realize it right there below, beneath our feet, right before our eyes, the ants were creeping in, and now they're everywhere. Matthew chapter 13, the Bible tells us that the men who sowed wheat, that it was while they slept, the enemy came in. You know what the enemy's doing? He's creeping. He's creeping. The devil's a creep, and that's the way the devil works. He creeps in, and while we're fighting all of these fires that, yes, indeed, are important, the one battle we should be focused on, contending for the faith that was delivered to us, we've been distracted from that, and he's walking right in the back door. I assure you this, you'll not fall out of the will of God. People say, well, I just fell out of the will of God. No, you did not. You crept out of the will of God. Little by little by little by little. You're going to look up one day, you're going to be out of church, not even sure if you believe the Bible anymore, and you're going to wonder, how did I get here? The devil just came in and kidnapped me and hogtied me and cared. No, he did not. You crept that way. Little by little, you got distracted by the cares of this life, the things that you like, and you slowly but surely crept out of the will of God. This is why Jude says you better contend earnestly for the faith. Your fight cannot be a Sunday morning fight only. You've got to put the fight up on, listen, Sunday's the easiest day. You're surrounded by a lot of other people that want to fight. It's Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. That's where you earnestly contend. Keep your focus on the right fight. Contend for the faith that was delivered to us, and that'll keep you from drifting. But if you're not careful, little by little, little by little, the devil will move you out of church out of the will of God, and you'll begin to doubt the very faith that you say that you believe. I want to show you a picture right quick, something I saw years ago down in Cape Canaveral. (laughs) My dad took us uh, down on a uh, trip with our young people uh, when I was a young people, and we went to the uh, space center, and one of the things we got to see was the space shuttle before they retired it, and you'll notice the space shuttle is sitting on this large square object that is known as the creeper. Let me give you some statistics on the Creeper. It weighs 6 million pounds. It can carry 18 million pounds. It has a 5,000-gallon diesel tank, 30 engines that run it at a top speed of 1 mile per hour. That Creeper will carry that space shuttle fully loaded with its payload, with its fuel. It'll carry it all the way out to the launch pad preparing to be launched. 18 million pounds, 5,000 gallons of fuel, 30 different engines running that thing, and it moves at a top speed of one mile per hour. That's loaded. On the way home, it's a cool two miles per hour unloaded. But it moves all of that at one mile per hour, and yet it gets the job done. I want you to think about Satan. Satan is an excellent mover, and he's kind of like this creeper. He doesn't care, listen, if it takes two years to get your family or three years, as long as he gets your family, he still wins. That's why he's not going to come in as an invading force. He's going to creep in. He's going to creep in the back door while we're busy making all the money and getting our kingdoms built on this earth. He's going to sneak in the back door. You look up one day and our kids are gone. What happened? He crept in. While we were fighting little battles that are not going to matter in eternity, we lost what really mattered in our faith, our homes, our churches, and our children. And we lost it one mile an hour at a time. Folks, I want to tell you something tonight. If we do not understand the dangers that we face, we're going to lose more than a space shuttle, we'll lose more than this country. We're going to lose our children, we're going to lose the things that matter our churches and our homes. That's why Paul said in Acts 20, it's probably one of the most quoted verses that I use when I preach. It's such a powerful verse to me. Uh, Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says, but none of these things move me. Paul's got his focus on his faith. He's locked in. He is locked in on his faith. And man, he's just getting bombarded. He's getting attacked. He's getting persecuted. He's getting beaten with rods. He's being shipwrecked. He just keeps his focus, keeps his focus. He says, none of these things move me. Sounds like Paul knew his enemy. He knew who he was up against, and he knew the devil was going to try to use all of those things to be crowbars to get him away from his focus. But Paul knew that all that he went through was in vain if he took his eyes off the faith that he'd been contending for. And everything that we're fighting for right now, other than our faith, is going to be in vain if we do not keep our focus and contend on the faith which was delivered to us. So number three tonight, the dangers we face, they're creeps. Be careful of the creeps. Things are going to creep in in your life, in your home. Oh, I want to tell you, I don't worry. I try not to worry about it. But my heart gets so heavy during this time that that we're going to get so impatient about getting back together. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. We are praying about this. I'm just asking God, you tell me when. Listen, I don't care what they say. You tell me when, and we're going to come back to this place. You just tell me when. I'm waiting on the green light, all right? And so I see impatience, and our folks are getting antsy, and our folks are getting worried. And I said, You watch, it's gonna be just like the devil. We're fighting this coronavirus on the front. Here comes division creeping in. It'll divide a church. I'm gonna tell you, I've got the spiritual staves and swords and torches out, looking for it. Why? Because that's how he works. Listen, we would be not smart. I'll use a kind phrase. We would be not smart to think that we're gonna defeat the coronavirus and America's gonna be okay because we have a vaccine. Are you kidding me? That's like giving the people in Genesis 6 an umbrella and say, here, this is gonna help your problem. Umbrella, what gonna help them? A vaccine's not gonna save America. It's gonna be closing the back door and contending for our faith and noticing the dangers that we face. So number three, that's the dangers. And then finally, I wanna give you a fourth one tonight just because you've been paying such good attention. Number four, I want you to notice down in verse five, he reminds them of something else. I will therefore. So what did he just do? I love therefores and wherefores. Somebody needs to write a book. I'm not going to do it. I'll say that I am, but I'm not going to do it. Somebody needs to write a book on the wherefores and therefores in the Bible because they're always referring back to something. Hebrews 12, we talked about that Wednesday night. So he says, in light of what I told you in verse three and verse number four, I will therefore put you in remembrance. I told you to fight. And I told you to fight earnestly for the faith because there's guys trying to creep in and destroy what you have. And this is why I'm telling you that. I'm putting you in remembrance, though you once knew this. I think he's telling them they forgot. How that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto, under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah. What is he doing? He's giving us a grocery list of those that were destroyed. He said, I want you to remember these people here. One, two, three. I want you to remember the ones that were delivered out of Egypt. I want you to remember the angels. I want you to remember Sodom and Gomorrah. They're all either have been destroyed or awaiting destruction. Why? Because they drifted. They drifted. He's giving us an example of how drifters meet catastrophe. So number four tonight, notice the destination of failure. A destination of failure. He's telling them if you do not contend for the faith, evil men are going to creep in. Washington's full of them, men and women. And then you're going to become like the children of Israel in verse 5, the angels in verse 6, or the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in verse number 7. All illustrations of suffering all illustrations of catastrophe. I want you to think about Sodom, verse number seven. Sodom is the lowest of low, the leftest of the lefts, and yet God chose to put this in here as an example of just how far you can drift. I could tell you heartbreaking stories tonight of dear friends, acquaintances, church members, deacons, Sunday school teachers who are in places right now Never thought they would get there. How on earth is so and so so living in Sodom right now? How did they get there? How is their life so destroyed? How did they get there? They didn't contend for the faith which was delivered to them. Evil men crept in unawares and they lost everything. It's important to remember this tonight. I'll give you this. We're going to be done. You only drift away. You don't drift back. You have to fight your way back. Somebody put a great phrase on social media, and I can't tell who it is because everybody shares it without giving credit to the person who originally said it. But they said, you can vote socialism in, but you'll have to fight your way out of it. And it's a lot of the way it is with our, the fight of our faith. You don't have to fight now, and you just go with the flow and drift out of the faith. And finally, when you end up in Sodom, when you end up in suffering or destruction like the children of Israel that he had delivered out of Egypt and you decide, you know what, I don't like it here. I wanna get out of here. You're gonna to have to fight your way all the way back. It's like being carried downstream. That's so easy, isn't it? Isn't it? I used to, my wife and I used to love when I pastored in seminary. Uh, we'd get some inner tubes, like was it a Monday or a Tuesday where nobody was out there half naked, you know, and we would go get some inner tubes and we'd just plop down in the inner tube and we'd float down the Okotoma. It's such a good time, just a relaxing time. It was easy to float downstream. But my goodness, I want to tell you, you may not know this, but it is hard to float back upstream. Finally, you just get out and walk through the woods to get back to your car because you're like, forget fighting that, man. I'm just going to go through the, the, the snake-infested woods to get back to my car. I said, what are you saying here? Here's what I'm saying. You can either fight now to stay in your spot, to keep your focus on your faith and put up a good fight and contend for the faith, or you can just take it easy, let go, and go downstream and go with the flow. And when you end up in Sodom, And your life is in shambles and being destroyed, and you're wandering around the wilderness like the children of Israel in verse number five. And you decide, I don't like this anymore. Understand this. You're going to fight your way back if you make it back. Most of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt would not go into the promised land. So what do we have to do tonight? We have to defend against the drift. We have to put up a fight we have to realize who we're fighting and how he works. And even though these things are concerning and we want to talk about it on social media and all of that, look, the devil loves nothing more. I think he sits back and laughs watching us fight about these little things that do matter. But in the grand scheme of the spiritual fight for our faith is not going to matter at all. So tonight we've got to defend against the drift. How do we do that? Number one, it's a diligence to our faith. Number two, we have a duty to fight. Number three, the dangers that we face, it's the creeps. They're going to try to ease their way in while we're not looking. Be careful. Division, murmuring, it's going to try to creep in the back door while we're fighting these other fights. And then finally, pay close attention to the destination of failure. Because we can be just like the children of Israel, who God delivered and allowed us to have this great country, and yet we blew it because we didn't defend against the drift. So let's pray right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.